Good day, everyone. Sunday evening. I hope everyone had a great weekend. By the time you're hearing this, it's the start of your new week. I hope it's going to be a good week. Uh, it was an eventful week. Uh, I just sat down and brushing up on some of the news. I see that the Toronto firefighters arbitration has now resulted in a unreasonable dismissal result, uh, meaning the arbiter agrees that it was unreasonable to dismiss firefighters for vaccine status. It may seem small, but these wins are not insignificant and truly do have a compounding effect. Uh, earlier this week, Ontario announced that they were dissolving the Ontario science table. Uh, I don't know why they call it that. They did not really perform science, but nonetheless, the, uh, the dictate did come from that group. So it is nice to see that heading into fall, we're seeing pretty heavy steps to indicate that though we're not through things yet, uh, we are on the far side of it. Uh, it is not quite as simple as just calling the band to get them back together. So little victories slowly, but surely, uh, if any of you paid attention to the protests in London on the weekend, uh, I, I was there with a couple friends. And to quote Julie Panese, uh, while she was quoting Western's motto, uh, the truth truly will prevail. It might take some time, but the truth is slowly coming out in seemingly palatable doses to people kind of can't chew on it quite yet. Uh, speaking of Western, it, it's certainly still problematic that they're pushing uh, three doses and masks coming back. However, I think in those situations when you talk about these woke post-secondary places, I, th I think they really do have to cross the Rubicon before they realize where they need to be. I, I think they, they have to push it too far before they can rein it back in. Uh, and surely, like, we've we've had all indication that we should expect more institutions similar to this. Colleges, universities, festering pools of, of just virtue signal and what it means to be modern woke. Uh, you should expect more mandates like this to come. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the federal government responds because there too are, are very ideologically woke virtue. Like we'll see how the fall goes. Uh, but Western is not going to be the only outlier. I, I'm fairly confident that their position will keep them in the outlier category, but they will not be alone in that designation. Uh, so we'll see going in to see how the next, I believe they, they take place that mandate falls into effect in October, so you've got a solid month of of hopefully some serious pushback. Uh, and just judging by the numbers, the average person of university age, uh, about 30% have their boosters. So again, granted, understand that your, your bias is going to sway there, being students of post-secondary woke university, like you're probably closer to 50-50. But even still, that's that's a huge chunk of your population that you're either accepting that you're going to coerce, and, and that's truly what it is. If you can't get to school without getting a shot, it's it's coercion, or else you just can't come. And, and those are your two choices, is either submit under duress or disdain, 
or just back down. Uh, they're not allowing much of a path in, in any regards to a third option. So we'll see. We'll see how the fall starts out and, and how I've kind of tried to familiarize myself with the whole Western situation. Uh, it's hard to get a, a, a real bead on it, but uh, it seems like it's a bit of a political infight. Uh, you've seen it too with, I believe, QP out of Toronto. They're now pushing for their university to mandate masks. Uh, not so far as the vaccine, but but QP there is trying to mandate masks for one of, I think it was U of T, but again, a major union stakeholder in, in some of these regards. I know QP is also at Western, I saw. And through the articles, it was it was kind of highlighting how the faculty association was a, a possible driving factor in this updated policy. So we'll see how the infighting and, and the interpolitics plays out, how it kind of shakes down. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's to kind of keep an eye on. Speaking of news politically now in Canada to keep an eye on, we are like 12 days away from the leadership results for conservative party of Canada. Uh, or as I would prefer to call it the coronation ceremony for Pierre Polyev, uh, like it or hate it. Uh, I think that's going to be how it goes. And personally from a vested interest as well as a sideline participant, uh, I'll be happy to just have this phase behind us in so much as it's kind of hard to focus your opposition when you're currently not sure who's leading it. And in that vein, what direction it's going to go. Uh, if you get a, a Charest in there, I mean, he'll be given reach arounds to Trudeau. Uh, you get a Polyev in there, and he's going to be a bulldog with Trudeau. You get somebody like Baber or Lewis, and I'm inclined to think they'll kind of pick and choose their battles, and it won't necessarily be complete opposition or favor. I, I, I And that's not a, a slight to them. I've said before, there are policies I don't disagree with Trudeau. For example, we, we've talked about returning the, the turbines to Russia. Even a wrong clock is, even a dead clock, sorry, is, is right twice a day. So I don't, as much as I disdain Trudeau, I'm not going to discredit when it, when the, the dumb prick is right sometimes. Uh, I, I don't hate the man so much that I will s literally spite myself just to disagree with him. And I, I credit the same to, to Baber and Lewis. I don't think they're that type. Polyev... I think he's balanced enough, but from the the political view he's kind of in right now, that guy's just going to oppose Trudeau every corner. Again, they, they did oppose sending the turbines back to Russia, uh, a topic I've touched on before that absolutely we needed to, to send back. Uh, but I will not dig into that right now, but when the election is over for their leadership, we will kind of do a postmortem and see where the chips landed and hopefully who's unemployed and who's on potential cabinet positions. Uh, I, again, I don't think Lewis or Baber will win it. I think if either of them spoke to you, they would agree. They're probably not going to win it. Uh, I don't say it as a slight, but I think they are both very earnedly do a position in cabinet. I, uh, I look at Leslin Lewis and Roman Weber as absolute potential candidates for future prime ministership. 
just not this time. Uh, it's, it's not the dog we need today. Anyway, enough with catching up on the nonsense and uh, seeing what's coming. Uh, before we get, we're doing guns today. I know we talked about it last week and I was kicking the can when I was going to do a gun episode, but, uh, really didn't feel like recording too much. I almost didn't record an episode this week at all, but I figured why not? We were touching on it. So, uh, let's, uh, get into it. Gosh, I love the sound of a shotgun. We're not cracking beers today because we're handling guns, but we are cracking shotguns. A little disclaimer before we get too far into this. None of what I'm about to say is legal advice. Uh, I don't necessarily have all the answers on the law. Uh, and some of the things I believe may not even be legal. Or le legally correct, at least. Um, so, take what I say with a grain of salt. And uh, fact check for yourself. Do your own due diligence. And uh, just take this as opinion. Canada, guns, we go, honestly, Canada and guns are like Canadians and hockey sticks. You may not realize it, but Canada's got a shitload of guns. Uh, and thanks to, to all of the things that have happened in the world in the last four years, between the politics, the pandemic, the riots, the peacefulness, uh, the summer of love, I know so many more people that became gun owners in the last four or five years, myself included. Uh, I have been on a bit of a binge lately trying to make up for lost time. But seriously, like I did my gun course with a church group um, because like-minded men of a community decided, hey... I don't want to not have the option, the tools, the skill sets. So that's what we're going to try and talk about today. A little bit of the history. But Canada has had guns ubiquitously since before it was Canada. Uh, we Before Canada, we fought the War of 1812 and succeeded. Like We are, we are a battle-worn country. Uh, you look at our participation in World War I and World War II, and... I mean, do yourself a favor and and consume some history podcasts. Again, shout out last to uh, Sunday Supper. Uh, great content when you want to talk about Canada and how we behaved in in World War One and Two. Um, the shock troops. Uh, I'll probably link the episode, but uh, Dave really does a good job breaking down just how ferocious Canadians can be. And you know what? we may as a whole have gotten a lot softer, like similar to warm butter on a summer day, but deep down, we still have that same blood. We still have the capacity to be just like those men. Uh, and don't kid yourself. We have not gotten lighter on the tools either. Um, I grew up around guns my whole life. Um, it was a running joke. We were, we never really had guns, quote unquote, but guns were never really too far. And looking back at that now, not necessarily the most legal perspective or statement, uh, but it was a fact of life. I, I grew up, started on BB guns, shot the 22s, did the shotguns, and eventually like I moved out into the city and uh, 
didn't really think too much of it. Again, having guns in the city, not super appealing. It's very difficult to do. You can't really do a lot with them. Um, but I mean, that's the price you pay when you're late teen, early 20 in the city. You, you don't have the privileges you've had growing up living in the country. Uh, so when I moved out of the city, I, I seized the opportunity to kind of tick some things off the, the to-do list and getting, and certainly again, we saw the, the summer of love in the States where cities were burning. Uh, you see Trudeau grabbing and grabbing at guns and it's just all these little factors kind of pushed me. And again, a ton of normal, reasonable, not gun crazy people towards, you know what? I, I think I do want to know more. I want to understand how to handle these things. I want to understand how to use them if I ever need to in, in any regard. If I have to provide food for myself, if I have to hunt, I have to secure a place or just for fun or good safety practice. I want to know what to do if I come across a gun. Uh, guns themselves are not inherently scary or dangerous, but again, it's, it's good. I, I have one close friend who literally his whole driving factor to doing the course and getting his license was strictly that to, to understand what to do if he comes across one. Uh, not that he would seek it out. I think now he's, he's full force. Like, let's get a gun. Let's go to the, go shooting. But I mean, his whole driving factor was if, if shit hits the fan or I, some situation comes up and I want to at least know what to do. I think that's a reasonable perspective. Um, but no, and I don't, I have to be very careful with how I say this. Um, I, I'm assuming most of you have heard the clip. If not, I'm not going to insert it too lazy for that tonight, but Justin Trudeau has not so far in the past made a comment that Canadians have no right to self-defense. Uh, he's not wrong. Uh, I've, I've highlighted that topic a couple times. Um, but he, he is not. I, and I truly hate that when he says something like that, he's not wrong. It, it drives me nuts that there is no level of self-defense in Canada that is straight up legal. Um, our doctrine for self-defense in Canada is no more than minimally justified. Uh, so that means if somebody comes at me with my, their fists, if I've got maybe a bat or something reasonable, I can combat them with that to, to solve the situation immediately. Uh, ideally, you meet force with force. There's some logic in the fact, like if they pull a knife on you, you're not going to pull another knife out and let's have a good old knife fight. No, you're going to grab something that gives you some distance and, and some shot. However, when it comes to, to firearms... <laughs> In Canada, if you were to use a firearm in self-defense, the default, and, and really this applies to any weapon in self-defense, the default is that is a crime, plain and simple. The, the, the default is you get charged and then you go to court, at which point you would have an opportunity to defend yourself and justify why you use that use of force and to what extent. Um, so that that's to say that you can commit a criminal act in a justified manner. Uh, however, it, as with a lot of things, the process is sometimes the punishment. So to, to go to trial for a firearms defense, even if justified, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars in lawyer fees. It's not cheap. And, and 
with all with all chances, you'll be remanded in custody until your court date. Uh, unless you're a real criminal, and then they'll just let you out. But if if you're a decent home person, country folk, whatever, if if you're just a decent, you're gonna be locked up, and you're gonna be drugged through the mud in the media, especially with today's climate of wanting to grab guns. So no, you can, but you have to justify it, and you will be charged. At which point you try and make your case. Uh, so no. It, to, to quote my firearms instructor, uh, when the topic came up in our class, he literally said, if there was somebody broke into my house, uh, the chief firearms officer, the, the government suggests you go to your gun locker, grab your 12 gauge, and then you beat them with it. Uh, because loading it and firing it is never okay, basically. Uh, and he's not wrong. And that's a whole nother side of the coin where our, our system and our, our policy is so out of whack in my mind. However, I understand it. I understand what the laws are, despite the fact that I disagree to some extent. Um, but that's the lay of the land and, and kind of on the defense topic, we, I, I promised I'd come back to the, the whole dog spray and again, it's, it's a real conversation. We live in a world where we're hypersensitive to, to violence against women. I know my workplace, I literally had to complete a module of gender-based sexual violence and, and violence towards women. Uh, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be aware. Obviously, we, we should try and tackle and be aware of whatever we can. And you know what? It's annoying that I've got to sit through a 40-minute module at work to teach me how to respect women and, and to stand up if you see discrimination or somebody just being, a, this is like principles that I was bestowed as a child. Like I am the last person that needs to kind of go through a, a module of how to treat a, a lady or what to do in a situation where you're not the person involved in it, but you see it going on. It's like, but unfortunately, we live in a society where too few people were already instilled those values, and that's how we got here. I don't care how they, they want to spin it, but it's like traditional values and the lack thereof leads to this problem. Where I grew up, if you got caught cussing up a female, talking rudely or disrespectfully to, to a woman or child, you didn't have to worry about getting dragged into HR that stuff was sorted out on the spot. Uh, and to this day, generally how I operate, I, I, and I sometimes at my own expense, I live in a world where that's not necessarily the right way to handle situations. Sometimes they would prefer you to file a report and take it through HR. No, I'll just call you on your shit when you're doing it. Uh, and by some chance the cat gets my tongue. I've had that happen before. I, I had a situation at work where I was just so dumbfounded. I could not even respond in the moment. But as soon as I got my bearings, I'm like, no, no, we're going to deal with this. And we're going to deal with this now because that stuff doesn't fly. Um, but yeah, so bear spray, dog spray, mace, tasers, knives. These are, cause these, these are the things that 
if you're vulnerable female, you just want protection. You just want tools at your disposal. I carry a knife every day, every single day. I've got a, I've got an extra knife at work. I've got an extra knife in my shop. I have pocket knives all over the place. I, I'm never too far away from a pocket knife. And I also try to keep them as sharp as possible. I, at least once a month, I'm running them on the stone. But you have to understand, given the fact we don't have a right to self-defense, um, unless justified, uh, you, that also means preventative or precautionary. You, you can't carry these tools in, in the event you, you might get attacked. Um, because in Canada, intent is transformative. They're th meaning that if I carry something because it's a tool and I use it for work, I use it for this, that, or the other, that's okay. But if I carry it for self-defense, that intent transforms what that is. It takes it from a tool and turns it into a weapon. And we can't carry weapons. Not, not for that period. We can't carry weapons in Canada. Uh, if you're already a firearm owner, you understand how you can transport and move it. You don't get to just carry it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so like we, we talked about with last week's guest carrying the dog spray and specifically dog spray, not bear spray, uh, though they're basically the same thing with a little different formulation. Uh, you have to understand your situation. So in that situation, female living in the city. Chances of her seeing a bear is literally zero. Uh, closest thing to zero as you can possibly get. Um, so if she was stopped or, or in the event she had to use it and quoted, oh, it's bear spray. Well, then you would have to justify why you're carrying bear spray in a place where bears don't exist. Um, which is why we were intentional with our words. It's, it's dog spray. Uh, which is the exact same reason you can't, you literally can't carry a taser in Canada. Um, because there's no situation where you can justify it. You could maybe do it as a novelty thing. Like we all had those little, like shock toys when we were, but no, like outside of like hillbillies in the shop goofing around with a taser outside of that, it's, it's difficult to justify carrying it. And I, it shouldn't be. These are, these are non-lethal tools that help one, protect people, especially vulnerable people. Uh, and two, largely non-lethal. Like we should, we should start for that. Like we should strive to do that and, and allow people the peace. Cause sometimes it's not even about using it. It's the peace of mind that it's there that, Oh, I, I can go on a walk in the dark. And I'm really not one of these people that buy into the argument that like, I understand women have a different experience and, and everything, but statistically speaking, you're fine to go on a walk at night. You're fine to walk downtown alone at night. Statistically speaking, yes, some terrible things can happen. The odds are, are not representative to the level of concern that gets put on it. I'm not saying we shouldn't concern ourselves when, when bad things and violence and sexual assault happens to females. We should, and we should, again, going back to the core values, we should deal with that firmly and swiftly. However, if allowing somebody to carry a precautionary non-lethal tool allows them to not live in a state of fear, because whether it's real fear or not, you feel it the same, whether it's justified 
statistically probable, whatever, whether it's logical or not, it doesn't matter. The fear feels the same. So why would we live in a society where we, we care so much or pretend to, I, I say pretend because I don't think they do care. Because if they generally cared about women's safety, we would have a real discussion about allowing non-lethal carry, um, pepper spray, tasers. But that's the thing. We live in a world where it's all about perceived stances. Oh yeah, I'm against women violence. But no, we can't have the conversation that can actually result in change. Nothing we do is allowed to result in change. Look at Justin Trudeau's current handgun grab. Legal handgun owners do not pose a risk to society at all. Statistically speaking, legal gun owners are the safest and most law-abiding citizens in the community. Not only that, and this is, this is one thing that non-gun owners really struggle to understand when like, they finally sit down and talk to a gun owner. It's like, I literally have less rights as a gun owner than a normal citizen. To own guns, I give up rights just to keep my license. And in that regard, it's I, I forfeit the right to against searches. I could have a, a police officer or any officer of the peace show up at any time of day and ask to inspect my guns. I do not have an ability to say no. If I say no, they come in anyway, they take my guns, they, they revoke my license. I do not have, and in doing that, in doing that, uh, it's court established precedent while they're in your house searching for your guns. If you have, if you've got a mirror and a credit card on the table and you bumped a line of Coke the night before, again, I am not a drug user, but I understand some people it's a recreational thing at this point, uh, that they see any paraphernalia on the table. They see any residue. It's, you know what? It's fair game. They're in the house legally, and it's then within plain sight. So anything within plain sight is fair game once they're in the door. And you can't say no. So as a gun owner, searches are, are completely a carte blanche. They don't need a warrant. They don't need anything. Um, and also, on top of that, I, I understand that I am criminally the safest person in, in the country because as legal gun owners, every morning you set your coffee maker to turn your coffee on at seven o'clock. Our CMP computers start buzzing away at five, six in the morning, and they run every, every gun owner name every morning to check for criminal violations. So if I went out to the bar on Saturday and I got into a fist fight, I got booked Saturday night, Sunday morning, I got released Sunday morning, an alert pops with the RCMP. They dispatch to local law enforcement. If I got in a fist fight, it's a violent charge. They come and they take my guns that day. So yeah, like <laughs> we already jumped through hoops and f the handguns, they're vilifying. It does nothing. They're not, they're not doing anything just like not allowing tasers, not allowing pepper spray. They're not doing anything to help people. They're not helping the communities that are impacted by gun violence. Uh, well, they underfund Canadian border services insanely. Meanwhile, I, I forget the figure. I really should look it up. I think it's about two or $3 billion uh, is the proposed gun buyback plan. So after the Nova Scotia shooting, 
they they outright banned a bunch of quote unquote assault rifles which is a terrible term anyway, but nonetheless, they banned a whole bunch of guns after the Halifax shooting or Nova Scotia shooting. And in order to do that, historically, when Canada bans guns, they, they classify them as either prohibited or restricted. The, the default is non-restricted. We won't get into the categories too much. But basically, in the past, when they outlaw something completely, it transfers to prohibited, meaning nobody can buy it starting now. If you have it, you get to keep it because it's your property. You get to keep it, but you can't really do anything with it. It kind of stays in the safe. There's rules with how you store it. And you can sell it to other people who also have prohibited licenses. Uh, so if I had, back in the day, AK-47s were illegal. Um, now they're illegal. And if you owned an AK-47, it is prohibited. But I can I can trade and do business with other people that have AK-47s and, and various other prohibited guns. Well, now, for example, the AR-15, which people don't understand, that platform is so much of a, a jackknife platform that there's so many guns that fit that category. But they banned the AR-15. Uh, in the wake of the Nova Scotia shooting specifically, but they've been chomping at the bit since all of the news in the States, they're pushing so much to, to ban the AR 15 style guns. They look scary. And at the same time, they're just a semi-automatic gun. Uh, you can have de debates over capacity limits in Canada. We have a capacity limit as it is already. Uh, most of that stuff is pinned to either five or 10 rounds, depending on the caliber. So, <laughs> Again, it's not doing anything. But yeah, we're, we're going to spend $3 billion buying back these guns because when, when the government seizes this property, instead of just allowing people to keep it, make them a safe queen, they can't leave the house, whatever, yada, 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 you can keep your guns. You just can't do a lot with them. No, the government said, that's not enough. We're buying them all back. We're paying you and you have to submit them. You have to surrender to them. And in doing so, you, you have to, you have to, give them money. You can't, you can't just seize property without giving them what's deemed reasonably fair. Um, I've seen the prices and they do not reflect what's reasonable. Uh, they don't even reflect close to what's reasonable, but nonetheless, they're, they're $3 billion to buy back citizens guns and it's going to do nothing. Meanwhile, we're funding the, the number one, absolutely number one biggest problem with gun violence in Canada is illegal guns coming across the border. 100% all day long. You, you look at cities like Windsor, Sarnia, Niagara Falls, and then Toronto. Border cities where the guns are coming in. Every time. I, I know, jokingly, like I used to work in Windsor, and it's not necessarily a place you want to argue with people. Um... A lot of guns are in Windsor and a lot of people carry them illegally, but they come in and then they get through to Toronto. They get through to Quebec. They get through to Montreal and these big urban cities is where you're starting to see the gun violence spark up with the gangs. It's not safe, legal John Smith who bought a $3,000 pistol and loves the crap out of it, takes it twice a month to the local range to shoot with his middle-aged balding friends and talk about man things. Uh, it's not those guys shooting up downtown Toronto. 
but it is legal gun owners, illegal gun owners, sorry. Um, people smuggling them in, doing gang violence, criminal activity, drugs, prostitution, all sorts of stuff. But we're not funding the border agents. This is the thing that's absolutely insane. You could literally just, okay, you're after these guns. They scare you. You can't sleep at night because these exist. Prohib them. Put them on the prohib. Leave the legal owners alone. Don't spend $3 billion trying to buy them back. Send that $3 billion to the border agents. Beef up your security. Stop the guns, the bad guns, from coming in. Period. But again, we live in a world where politically we don't actually want to do anything. We just want to look like we are. Um, but no, the harder they push to grab guns, to grab legal guns, the more I realize, and again, I hope to be wrong. But nonetheless, I don't want to be in a situation where I don't have tools. I want to be able to feed myself if I have to. I want to be able to protect myself if I have to. I hope I never do. And in a civil society, I wouldn't use my guns anyway. But I, I, don't, I don't know where this goes. I don't know where society ends up. And I want, to, I want to be able to handle myself and take care of my family in a situation that I, probably will never happen. Uh, maybe it will, maybe it won't. But I don't want to be caught with my pants down. I want to be able to, and like people have joked before, like, oh, are you, what are you going to do? Like, if the grocery stores run out, you're just going to go hunt deer? No, I'm going to go down to the farm and I'm going to take myself a cow. Sure, at that point, it would probably be considered theft, but I'll harvest whatever animals around. I don't have to go hunt in the, in the bush if I don't have to. But also, not against that either. Um, I just don't want to get caught having to depend on other people or other institutions when shit hits the fan. We've seen it. We've seen it happen. Where Nova Scotia, for example, you've got a, a gunman on the loose, and they're not giving critical information. They're not protecting people. They're not doing anything right. You look at the last shooting in Uvalde. They're not, parents had to run into an armed building where there's an active shooter and, and procure their own kids, get their own kids out because the cops won't do anything. This, and these, there's so many quote unquote isolated incidents where you can demonstrate the systems in place are not always going to protect you. They're not always going to do what they need. You cannot... You cannot be aware of these faults and these issues and not try and do everything you can to prepare yourself in the event they failed you. Uh, again, I, I, live in, I live in a very civil society where there's food on the grocery shelves every day. But I don't want the day to come where, okay, a hurricane hit and all that's left is the tofu section because... It doesn't matter how bad the tragedy, they're never touching that section. Um, I just, I don't want to be, okay, now what? Now what? Now what do I do? Or the government goes in, you could have another trucker convoy, and the government just locks up and has a seizure. Like, I don't want to be like, oh, well, I guess the cops aren't coming. You look at uh, London, I saw a story the other day about a neighborhood I used to live in, a, somebody collapsed on the sidewalk. I don't know why. You can have your own speculation as to that. Um, but nonetheless, somebody collapsed on the sidewalk and the closest ambulance was 45 minutes away, two cities over. 
again, I, I don't have an ambulance. I, I don't have a med kit, honestly. But these are all things we all should kind of not expect people to be there. Like at the end of the day, you gotta, you gotta do you because it's nobody's job to do it. Like, and I don't mean that people don't work for the police. People don't work for the paramedics. Obviously they do. But at the end of the day, if they can't get to you, they, they can't help you for whatever reason, it's no sweat off their back. The police in Canada and the States, this is well litigated, have no duty to protect you. And, and that sounds antithetical to, to the concept of policing and, and whatnot. But they do not have a duty to, quote-unquote, put themselves at risk to defend you. So the, those officers in Uvalde, I believe they did a lot of things wrong, possibly illegal. But precedent says that they do not actually have to put themselves in danger to protect you. They don't have to go in if there's a gunman there. They don't have to pick you up off the side of the road. So, again, you just why not have the things, the skills, and the tools at your disposal and hopefully never need them? Ideally, that's how I see it. I, I want to... It's a fun hobby. I like to go to the range. I like to, to scope in my, my targeting. I like to cycle through and, and practice the procedures. But I do it with the hope that I never need to. And I think that's okay to, to, to hone the skills and, and not need it. I think that's the, the best of both worlds. But I certainly don't want to get caught with my pants down. But I tell you what, circling back to, to the gun grab and history in general, it doesn't give me a warm feeling the harder they push on guns. Um, I don't necessarily think we're at the point where people should be spidey senses something really bad is going on. I, I do think that with everything liberal, it generally comes from a place of... Uh, I don't even know how... I generally think that the liberal policies attempt to do good. Like, I, I genuinely don't think... The quote from, from The weekend was, never attribute malice to what you could just simply dismiss away as ignorance. And it's so true. I don't, I don't think the current gun grab is malice necessarily. I think it's just ignorance. I think they do think they're trying to help. And I think what they believe that they are helping. Uh, unfortunately, we're in a political point where you can't sit down with the people on the other side of this argument and, and admit that they may have a point. Trudeau's team can't sit down with the conservatives who are saying, hey, let's fund the border patrol. Let's not fund these buybacks because none of this is going to work. They can't have that conversation because they, it's so much a, a sport at this point. You can't give up any points. You can't, you just got to take points and you can't, you can't give up. And, and I do think it's just ignorance. It's, it's ego, it's hubris and ignorance. Um, however, and we've seen in the, in some previous legislations on the guns, uh, before the current one we're in, Trudeau worded it in such a way that a 12-gauge shotgun was going to be illegal, at least one with a choke. Um, so for those of you unfamiliar with guns, it's the, the choke is 
a, a device you put in the end of the barrel to change your patterning on your on your spread of target. Um, so like if you're shooting ducks, you want it tighter. If you're shooting deer, you want it fairly tight. Um, but if you're shooting clays, you want it wide open. You want it, you want it a decent spread. Uh, if you're shooting slugs, you want no restriction at all. So it's just a common device. It, most shotguns have chokes. Um, but his legislation overnight, and, and they literally did do it overnight, he banned 12-gauge shotguns. I, again, I think it's ignorance, not malice. But when I say, hey, I'm worried, these are when my spotty senses tingle. When he starts coming for shotguns, and he starts coming for specifically the SKSs, um, there, there's a old military gun uh, used by Russia, China, all sorts of European countries use the SKS. Um, really as ubiquitous as the AK-47. It's such a widely used gun. I myself am on like seven wait lists trying to get them. They used to be so cheap. You could get like an SKS for like 200 bucks. It's a semi-automatic rifle. Only shoots five rounds. Never held more. Uh, they use stripper clips so that soldiers wouldn't lose magazines in the field. But they used to be so cheap and everywhere because it's just military surplus. They're all 50-year-old rifles, um, but they still fire. They still work good, and they shoot like a, a nice 5.56 five, round. Uh, you can get bulk surplus ammo for cheap, and it carries a punch. Like You can put down a, a, size, a full-size game animal, no problem, if you can legally shoot a rifle for hunting in your area. Um, but nonetheless, they're everywhere. There's so many SKSs, um, and they're considered a non-restricted gun in Canada based on their characteristics. They only shoot five rounds, they're semi-automatic, and uh, they're of a certain length that they're not restricted. But when he comes for the 12 gauges and the SKSs, those two are, are so popular and ubiquitous among Canadians that that's when you know you need to start stocking up on stuff. Um, when they start coming for, for the guns that are everywhere, cause don't get me wrong. Like I would love to have an AR 15, but that's a luxury. Not a lot of people can afford, um, like a, like a decent AR 15 in Canada, like three grand, three and a half grand for, for like a nice, decent AR 15. And even if you go cheap and you get like a, a low level AR 15, you're still looking at like hmm, 15, that hundred to two grand. So these are not cheap guns, not everywhere. Whereas the SKSs, they've years, they were $200 a gun. Now, as of recently, they're, they're, I think up to five, $600 a gun. If you can find one, um, but nonetheless, like, I mean, it's still a deal at that point price to today, but yeah, as a gun owner and, and a gun enthusiast at this point, uh, if you're on the fence, that would be your red hair. That would be. The, the flag where I start to really get worried. But if you're on the fence, like just get it, go get your license and get familiar with it. Buy a gun and put it in the closet or in the shop, in the attic, in the basement, and just have it. You know how to use it, leave it there. And it's a tool. You have a tool at your disposal that if you ever need it, you have it. You need to go hunt deer. You need to go get food. You need to do whatever. 
in today's chaotic world, understand that there is a situation where things may not be provided to you. Society may not always function as smoothly as it does today. And I hope it does. I largely probably will. But again, do the best for yourself. Make your own choices, but familiarize yourself. And at the very minimum, understand the nonsense that they're spinning through the media and policy today is not representative of actual gun policy. Uh, the, the handgun, I'm pissed. I, I missed the handgun registration by just stupidity. I held off on getting my restricted instead of just getting on it and getting my license. So I'll never get a handgun unless they switch it over um, when the next government takes over. But we'll see. Uh, as we've seen with the guns, there it's a constant flip-flop issue in Canadian politics. Uh, we've seen the handgun re registry come in, or sorry, the long gun registry come in, go out. Now they've got a, a soft registry back in. Uh, it's always going to be a debate with politics. Uh, the only issue today is it's gotten a little lopsided. It's, uh, it's a little heavy handed one way. And, uh, as with everything else, it's very heavy handed one way. Uh, so I guess it's not special in that sense, but yeah, that's been my rant on guns. Get yourself one, know how to use it, keep it clean, keep it safe. And, uh, yeah, do it. They're fun. You'll, you'll thank me later. But anyway, that's this week's episode. And uh, as always, if you enjoyed the content, pass it on, share us on social media, send us to a friend. And uh, in the meantime, stay free, everyone.
Come and fly away with me. Come, come, come and fly away with me.